Hey friends, welcome to the Cards of the Day podcast. Today is Sunday, August 9th. It is a Four of Diamonds day. And then the Uranus card of the Four of Diamonds is the Ten of Clubs. So that is another card of today. And together we add those two cards to create the Ace of Hearts, which is number one out of 52. The Four of Diamonds is about building our empires with our actions through the things that we do. We're building, 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 trying to create foundations um, that we can build upon for the rest of our lives, that we can turn into castles with all the kinds of spires that we want. We want to be little princesses up in the top of our castles while we've got to build our castles, right? So four is about building these fortresses of protection, about building these platforms of empowerment, of building things that serve all of us, not just one person. Today, that energy is complemented by the Ten of Clubs, which is the card of the teacher. Tens are all teachers, but the Ten of Clubs is the teacher of the mind the teacher of imagination and ideas and really spreading and expressing um, all of your thoughts and beliefs and desires on a huge, huge, huge scale um, to many of the people in your life. Oh, and I'm so excited to be doing that today in a lot of ways. And so when we combine these mathematically, the four of diamonds comes after the 26 hearts and clubs and then is four diamonds above those. So that makes 30. And then the 10 of clubs comes after the 13 hearts and then 10 more clubs. So that makes 23. So when we add the four of diamonds being 30 to the 10 of clubs being 23, we get 53. And there's only 52 cards in the deck. So we subtract 52 from 53 and we get number one, the ace of hearts, the beginning of love, the beginning of everything, the void. I really see the king of spades, which is the highest card in the deck, and then the joker, and then the ace of hearts, which is the lowest card in the deck. This is where the circle of life ends and begins. This is where everything starts over. This is where infinity meets itself. I'm drawing an infinity in the air with my hand right now. Infinity, infinity, infinity. What's that same spot that your hand keeps crossing over and over each time? That's the crux of infinity. If this is a circle of life, it's literally a circle. So the ending and the beginning are one. And this is this energy that I call alpha and omega. This is where there is simultaneously the most weight of the world and also the least weight of the world. They are one because everything is one, because we are all one. And that's kind of the ultimate idea behind really most modalities where we're seeking meaning um, is that we are all one. And so you know, like the fool in tarot. If anybody doesn't know about tarot and the major arcana, um, basically the tarot deck came from the deck of cards, but they changed up some of the suits and they added a knave near 
like instead of the jack or near the jack. They changed up the deck of cards a little bit. Um, I'm going to be doing a basics podcast on this soon, but the tarot cards came from the deck of cards that I studied during the time of the Crusades when divinators and any kinds of witches who were trying to predict the future, whatever that was, you were killed. You were killed if you weren't Christian. You were killed if you didn't go to church. You were killed in the streets. You were killed in front of your family and friends and God and everybody. So the divinators were like, hey, to their friends who make the cards, they're like, hey, uh, can you make me some cards so it doesn't look like I'm doing divination in the street, but really I am because everybody's playing cards in the street all the time. So if you just make me my special cards, nobody will know that I'm doing divination. So this is where tarot came from. But there are kind of two sides of the tarot deck. There is the minor arcana, which are the ones that are like ace, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, jack, queen, king, basically. And there are four suits. It's basically a deck of cards, but they added one more number and they changed up the suits. So hearts are cups and so on and so forth. Um, I don't really know too much about the minor arcana. I don't really work with them because I don't see enough synonymity as of yet between those in the deck of cards. So I haven't been working with the minor arcana because I don't want to like befuddle uh, my ideas of what things are. Although I do want to study them and strengthen that understanding of the synonymities. Right now, it's just not been um, one of the things on the top of my list. But I do work a lot with the major arcana. And this is when you see cards like the moon, the lovers, the sun. Even if you have never worked with a tarot deck, you've probably seen that people have the fool or the stars or uh, the lovers. Maybe you would have seen those cards. These major arcana cards, I think there's 22 of them from zero to 21. These are very archetypal. Um, and they kind of work together from zero through 21 to create what is called the fool's journey. And the fool is zero, which obviously is the joker. The fool and tarot and the joker and the deck of cards are basically the same. They have no value, but like all the value because they are the void. They're right in between alpha and omega. They are that crux of infinity. They're right in between where everything begins and everything ends. And in our calendar of 365 days, the Joker only comes to us on December 31st. Ooh, what other day of the year do we have no idea what is going to happen? and no idea what is going to happen the next year. Yeah, the Joker only comes to us on December 31st, and then the only King of Spades day of the year uh, is January 1st. The only like day where the first card of the day would be the King of Spades, which is the most powerful card, is January 1st, because what other day of the year do you have all of the power in your hands to change your life? So this was all to talk about the synonymity between the fool and the joker and how when the fool is number zero in the tarot deck and he's going to go through his whole life path, the hierophant, the hermit, he's going to learn from his mom and dad right at the beginning. And basically the zero through 21 in the major arcana of any tarot deck that you buy, this is a journey called the fool's journey. And he's going from the beginning of his life where he's the fool. He's called the fool because he's like really excited to go about life. And he has no preconceived notion of um, what sketchiness lies ahead. He 
people call him a fool because he's like so excited to forge on ahead through life. But, but people are like, do you even realize that life is hard, dude? Why are you such a fool? Why are you just gallivanting around and having, you know, living absolutely weightlessly when life is going to be really hard and give you all these trials and tribulations? Well, there's a certain, you know, mystique involved with not being jaded about what comes ahead, not being skeptical, not being afraid, not avoiding doing things or going on your adventures in life because you are afraid. We should all aspire to live more like the fool. And who cares if people call us a fool? Because we know that our unabashed, uninhibited excitement and courage to pursue adventure and pursue the um, unique experiences that life is offering us, we know that that's nothing to be afraid of because everyone has trials and tribulations. You know, Buddha's first golden rule of life is that life is suffering. Life is suffering. If you want to live, you're going to suffer, okay? So when we accept that, we accept that life is suffering. And when we truly accept that, we no longer suffer. Because we realize that suffering is life. And that if you you didn't suffer, you wouldn't be alive. You wouldn't get to live all of the beauty of life if you didn't also survive the suffering of life. Am I right? Am I right? All right. So that being said, today, the ace of hearts, which is what the four of diamonds, the empire builder, and the 10 of clubs, the teacher of the mind together, these energies are adding together mathematically to create the ace of hearts. Number one, the beginning of this pursuit, the ace of hearts um, is like the first step on the journey. If the joker is like the fool and that's kind of zero, that's the void um, where I think of this as like before we are born and after we die, we're in this void. We don't know where our consciousness it resides. My friend Robin just gifted me um, a book and I love books so much. I am like that is maybe my only obsession where I like buy things too much. I like love to buy books. If you want to take me to a bookstore, I'm probably going to leave with five or six books. Um, love the sale racks, but I just love books. And so I love getting books in the mail. And when I get a surprise book about a topic that I love from one of my favorite people, I was freaking out, loving getting this book in the mail. Robin, you are amazing. Thank you so much. So, um, and I was reading in this book how that is one of the main differences between Eastern religions and Western religions is that Eastern religions in general, um, specifically Hindu, because this is a book about yoga, but believe in reincarnation and that we've lived many, 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 many lives. That is just, um, that is just a given. I actually want to read a little passage out of it because it was so funny how, um, it's talking about how the author, and this was written they think in maybe like 200 BC or something. Um, it should be borne in mind that Patanjali, the author, had no need to assert or enforce the doctrine of reincarnation. So in this text, he did not need to assert the doctrine of reincarnation. That is assumed all throughout his aphorisms. That it could be doubted 
never even occurred to him. The fact that people could doubt reincarnation literally never even occurred to him. So he writes all of these aphorisms that I'm about to get into reading. I'm so excited. Thank you, Robin. He wrote all of these to, to allude to the obviousness of reincarnation, that we're obviously all incarnate, reincarnated. We've obviously all had past lives. We're obviously going to have all future lives because energy is neither created nor destroyed. There is just so much endless, infinite energy in the world, and it can only be repurposed, right? That's one of the properties of physics. We don't really create energy or or destroy it. We just it just becomes something else. Um, and I could definitely be a little more uh, uh, know a little more about that topic, but in general, I'm pretty sure that that is one of the constants of the universe. We don't create or destroy energy. So, and that's the difference between the Eastern religions and the Western religions is that we think that like where do you where are you before you're born? We don't even like bring that up. We don't we we don't think about anything except like or I guess they here they're really talking about Christianity, but it's not really like brought up like where you are before you're born. I think was the distinguishment that the uh, beginning of this book, the preface to Patanjali's aphorisms, was trying to make that that's the main difference between Eastern and Western religions is that they assume that reincarnation is obvious because you are just such a multifaceted complex being how could you ever think that this was your only life because energy is neither created nor destroyed um whereas western religions we don't really think like that we just we just don't so i would encourage you to personally i feel like i gain, gain a lot of strength from thinking like that i was having us do a mudra um maybe last week on the podcast and if you want to do this with me it's really powerful so you take each of your fingertips and you put them together put your pointer on your pointer your thumb on your thumb etc but keep your palms apart now i don't know what this mudra is called exactly but mudras are basically yoga with your hands and you're using your fingertips which have more nerve endings than anywhere i think except your lips I'm not sure if your lips or your fingertips have more, but this is one of your main nerve, uh, like where points where energy is in the tips of your fingers. So when you touch your pointer to your pointer and when you touch your thumb to your thumb, you guys remember those science experiments that you did when you were younger and you like create friction and then you see how when your hands are close to each other, they have a little bit of resistance and they shake a little bit. You have so much energy in the palm of your hands and that's how Reiki workers, that's how jujitsu works. You're like focusing all this energy into your palms. You're trying to channel all this energy through your shoulders, your back, through your arms, into the tips of your fingers by focusing where your energy goes. So even if you're not necessarily focusing where that energy goes, the mudras, the yoga is helping us to create energy with our hands. The same way going into downward dog can be really calming. The same way you want to do child's pose if you are having a bad time, like just go into child's pose, give yourself that moment of resting in there. We do yoga because it makes us feel good to do these things with our bodies. Mudras are doing things with our hands that make us feel good. And it's a different kind of energetic work, but I love mudras and this one in particular with all your fingertips together, but your palms apart. This one is about remembrance. And so when I, from a shallow level, when I just like can't remember a word that I'm thinking, well, what's that word? What's that word? I put my fingertips together and usually it comes to me. But when I activated this mudra in my life, y'all, I can't tell you how powerful it was. I was having 
crazy premonitions, crazy um, just like um, moments of clarity that I felt were very much coming from outside myself. Because I think that knowing that this mudra of remembrance, it's not just, oh, remember that one story? Oh, remember that one word from this life? No, this is like remembrance of all of your past lives. So I also do this mudra when I am feeling really overwhelmed by like my physical existence and what's going on in my life. I will do this mudra. And it will kind of help me call in all of the help of all of my ancestors, of all of my past lives, of everything that my infinite consciousness has ever known and ever will know when I need to draw upon it in that moment. And this is kind of like God. It's like source. It's the universe, which is within you. So when we can just use certain tactics for us to realize that the universe is in me, I am the universe, I am one with it, I'm connected to it. And if we're feeling disconnected, to put our fingertips together and remember that connectivity, that connectedness, that oneness of humanity, um, of all energy, you know, it's all on this circle of life. Everybody's energy is just many different places on these circles of life, but ultimately we all are one. So, wow, I've covered a lot of little topics here, but I'm really loving how the flow is today, um, how it's working out. And so let's see, I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about what I was writing about the Ace of Hearts last night um, and the Ace of Hearts being the beginning of love. And when we see the Ace of Hearts come up in somebody's reading, um, like, specifically a yearly reading where I'm looking at your current year, at your future year, the Ace of Hearts is going to represent one of a few things. It can represent having a baby. That's like a huge one. But, you know, how often is the person that I'm doing the reading for in that exact time and space where they're like going to have a baby? You know, are they between the ages of 26 and 34 and maybe newly married and or looking to have a baby, the chances of the Ace of Hearts meaning you're going to have a baby is not like that high. But if somebody is in that time of life and might be looking to do it and I see that Ace of Hearts, I'm like, hey, are you going to have a baby? Because it really looks like you're going to have a baby because the Ace of Hearts, the creation of love, the beginning of life does represent having a baby. But it also can represent getting married creating a whole new life of love that way. It can represent meeting your soulmate. It can represent meeting your best friend. But most importantly, and what I'd like to talk about today is that the Ace of Hearts represents self-love and falling in love with your damn self. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. It is time for all of us to fall in love with ourselves. And while I, I'm in, I was falling in love with myself last night. I was crying. I was smiling. You know, I'm going through a lot of trauma in my life. And I'm sorry if I've been weighing a little heavily on the podcast by mentioning that kind of thing. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine. So thankful for this therapeutic podcast and for all of you who are with me, you know, day in and day out, or even if you don't even if I don't hear from you, like, thank you for being here energetically, the energy from you listening every once in a while. I mean, wow, you're giving back to me just by being here. Um, so last night I was realizing how 
um, the ace of hearts, self-love, falling in love with yourself. Just thinking about how we always hear and you always see you can't change people. You know, don't be with a man and try to change him. He ain't never going to change. But don't be with people and try to change them because people are who they are. And for us to want them to change, to be better suited for us, that's not fair. And there are many different ways in which we hear this kind of theme, this recurring theme of you can't change people. Um, whether it's having to do with like love and you're like, I love my boyfriend, but he's slightly mentally abusive. Are you just going to wait for that to change? Um, and then there's other things that we can't change about people too. think about, you know, the times in your life where you've like wanted to make something work. Like if something would change and you, you know, are waiting for somebody to change or hoping that they'll change or praying that they're changed or begging them to change or all of the above. Right. I mean, God, that is like our plight in life is that we just want to change others. But ultimately by process of elimination, if you can't change anybody else, who's the only one that we can change? Our damn selves. And it's like, we hear this all the time. So I'm sorry if you're like, oh, this is nothing new, duh. But like, literally, I was just like letting this revelation wash over me in a whole new way than I ever had before. You know, we got to make our own mistakes before we can learn from them. We've got to learn lessons for ourselves. And I've definitely learned that I am a kind of person who cannot learn a lesson from somebody else telling me I have got to go learn that lesson myself. People always say, don't follow the money, follow the love. I followed the money. I went for a corporate job. I was making 80K at 24 years old. I was miserable as shit and crying all the time. And I'm so sorry if there are any children listening and that I keep cursing. Robin and Claire, so sorry if this is for you. I am just on one today. We cannot change anybody else but ourselves. And we spend so much time trying to change people, change people, change people, when ultimately the only thing that's going to make us feel better is working on ourselves. And just kind of realizing that in a whole new way last night, like the trauma that I am going through in my friend groups, I'm realizing that, you know what, if somebody doesn't want to believe me or they can't find the capacity to like believe me or be my friend or, you know, that's a that's totally okay and i don't base my self worth on that person not being able to sympathize with me i stand in my truth i am truth i know and believe in and stand strong in my feelings and my experiences and if somebody wants to try to devalidate those experiences by not believing me that's their choice, and I'm not going to waste my breath and my time and my energy and my love and my poor little aching heart on trying to get that person to believe me, begging them to sympathize with me, begging them to be a good friend. Pfft, no. I'm just really realizing that I've been, you know, feeling the 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 trauma of, you know, why doesn't this person believe me, you know, some crazy stuff's going on. And you know what, I'm realizing that if they don't want to believe me, if they literally can't, because I do feel bad um, in some cases that like, I feel like my friends just who I'm talking about don't have like the capacity to like truly get there. 
Um, you know, I'm not going to hold myself back from loving myself because I can't change somebody else. And this is something that is going to happen with all of us in so many different ways. Um, but we've all heard some people who are really happy say things like, finally, I stopped looking for validation outside of myself. And finally, I just started trying to validate myself. And these are the happiest kinds of people. We cannot rely on anybody else to validate us, to make us feel special. And that, you know, it really is. It's a lifelong pursuit that's really um, self-love is a whole box of unpacking. Um, but then I kind of led into this revelation last night as well with it. If we are the only ones who can change ourselves and we're the only ones who can better ourselves and like truly make ourselves feel better instead of seeking external validation that might be temporarily satisfactory, um, but it's not going to provide lifelong contentment in the way that falling in love with yourself will. So that being said, if that is true, what can we do to fall in love with ourselves and more live in that vibe, that essence of falling in love with ourselves and seeking validation only from within instead of seeking it outside? I'm almost 30 years old. I'm going to be 30 in on November 29th. And so, you know, it's like time for me to be fallen in love with myself and I do love myself and I'm so thankful to be who I am and so thankful to be creating what I do. But like everybody, I have some very hard times and definitely wish um, sometimes that that I felt a little more supported and cared about. I feel like I'm kind of always happy and, and good. So people think that I'm always happy and good. Even when I'm going through trauma, I'm not really one that people like reach out to be like, are you okay? I don't think I really have anyone in my life who like reaches out and says I'm okay, except for some people these days who I'm on my podcast and talking about trauma. So people are reaching out to me. So thank you for those of you who have, um, especially you, Kat, love you so much. But, you know, it's like, we have just, we've, you know, we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to create our own happiness. And so this is the revelation that, that I had. Okay. Think of, do a little baby visualization here. I am going to have to turn this off pretty soon. Okay. Think of all the things in your life that you would want to be better at. What are you like kind of down on yourself on that you, that you wish you could be better? I'll, I'll tell you mine. I wish that I ate more regularly and more healthily. Um, I've been kind of in a state of not abundance where I haven't been able to like focus money on like buying healthy food for myself and making myself healthy food. I kind of have a very sporadic eating habit. I always kind of have. I eat for um, efficiency to like get something in me so I can do my work instead of like really enjoying the act of cooking and treating it as the healthy nourishment for my body that it is like I want to fix my eating habits in certain ways. I also um, want to be sleeping in a more regular fashion. I also wish I was better at planning and at organizing. Um, I wish I made more time to go on a run and do self-care. Um, but then there's, those are like the kind of huge, like everyday things. Right. But I also, you know, want to practice German more because I love that language. Um, I also, 
you know, want to work on my website because that's something I've got going on right now. We have all of these things that we don't think that we're good enough because of, right? No matter how much you love yourself, there's always going to be some things that you're like, oh, I wish I did this better. Oh, I wish I did that better. And so my conclusion here, y'all, is that if we can't seek love from anybody else, we can only seek it within ourselves. How do we do that seeking of this within ourselves? Well, we listen to ourselves and say, what do you need, baby? What, Katie, I love you. What do you need today to feel better? And when I do eat a little better or I do sleep a little better or I do plan a little better or I do work on my website or I do work on German, guess what? I love myself and I can go to bed with more of a smile on my face and more of some laughing little dumpling drops. What is it? Sugar plum drops in my head because I am creating self-love by focusing on myself and how much I love myself. And I am deciding to do things for myself because I love myself. And that way I'm creating love for myself. I'm seeking validation within me only. I'm saving my breath and not seeking validation within anybody else. And so I am really focusing on that today. And sorry that I didn't go even more super into the cards today. This is the last minute. So I'll just reiterate. Today is a day of four of diamonds, building foundations for yourself and others through the way that you do the things that you do. If you feel any resistance towards doing things today, realize that maybe that's not in alignment with your highest values and instead act and build something that you would more rather build. Then it's also the 10 of clubs about communicating with your friends and your family on a really big scale, teaching and enhancing the intuitions and ideas and imaginations of others. And when we bring those two energies together, we create the ace of hearts, which is creating all new love and especially all new self love. The aces are the self. And so I encourage you to focus on yourself today and what you can do to fall more in love with yourself because you are worthy. You are enough. You are spectacular. You are truth. Sat Nam. Namaste. Have a great day.